Deuteronomy chapter 31 is where we find ourselves. We are plugging away. We've been racing through the book of Deuteronomy. Even though some of you feel like you've been in it for one million years. All right, we'll pray and then I have a question for you. Father, we uh, just ask your blessing upon this time that we have together. We pray that you speak to us, speak through us, Lord, as we have an opportunity to engage and share with one another. So bless our time as we offer it up to you. Be glorified, open up our eyes, open up our ears, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right, here's my question that I open up with. I didn't send out the notes. My Lantis. What do you know about Moses? You have to hear it over and over before you get it. I talk too crazy. What do you know about Moses? Who was Moses? What did Moses do? What was Moses known for? The good, the bad, the ugly. What do you know about Moses? Ron. He led the Israelites out of their Egypt. So Moses was the deliverer, right? Israel was in bondage in the nation of Egypt. Uh, The Pharaoh would not let God's people go to worship. And God used Moses as the deliverer. What else do you know about Moses? Moses. Interesting facts about Moses. Went up on the mountain to pray, and when he came back down, there was Aaron and had this golden calf with the people. Okay. So he goes up to meet with God, comes back down. Was his face glowing that time or the second time? Uh, okay. So he... He goes up to meet with God to talk with God face to face. That's a very significant thing about Moses. He spoke with God face to face, if you will, where God talked to him, not in parables, not in riddles, not in dark sayings. The Bible says that, but uh, just man to man, face to face, if you will. God is God, not a man, but you know what I mean. All right, what else? What else do you know about Moses? First 40 years of his life, he was in the palace. He grew up in the palace. That's pretty significant, right? As the son of the Pharaoh, because his mom put him in a little boat, right? A little dinghy, little basket. Put him down the river, and uh, Pharaoh's daughter, is it his daughter? Daughter finds him in the water, pulls him up, and her servant goes and calls one of the (laughs) <laughs> one of the uh, Israelite women, what do they call him? One of the... Nurse. Yeah, his mom got to nurse him. Yeah. What a... That has to be a coincidence. Huh? God orchestrating, providential. So instead of having my son killed, I get to raise my son in the palace and nurse him. What a blessing, huh? God just orchestrating things there. So yeah, first 40 years, Moses lived in the palace with his stepbrother Ramses, huh? Running down the, with the chariots on the, on the, oh, okay, that's the movie. I don't know, I, I guess. <laughs> Anybody see The Prince of Egypt? How many of you have seen The Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? Yeah, that's a great movie. I love it. I love cartoons. Okay. Anybody else? Ronnie. He gave us the, he brought the Ten Commandments. Well, he did more than that. He gave us the first five books of the Bible, the law, the Torah. He gave us a lot. So he came down with the 10 tablets down Mount Sinai, right? He came down with the two tablets, um, broke them when he saw the orgy. Who, who mentioned it? The golden calf that they were, Aaron, his brother Aaron. Okay, his brother Aaron down there, right? So uh, threw those on the ground. 
And then I guess the finger of God wrote the second set, and then they put that set in the Ark of the Covenant. So definitely part of Moses' legacy. And what else? What do you know about Moses? Uh, he, wasn't able, he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Yeah, we're going to see that today. He wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, and we're going to see the details behind that, and we're going to see just something interesting on that as we'll break that down. And uh, uh, it's just an interesting fact that this deliverer, this great, man of God, this um, very sincere, very humble man, because he thought, oh Lord, I'm not equipped. I can't even, I can't even sp- 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 speak. Yes, he was a stutter and nervous. And, but I'll use Aaron, yeah. And it, that never happened. God used Moses. Moses ends up doing what he said he couldn't do because God equipped him to do what God called him to do. And so definitely missed an opportunity, and again, that's what this chapter kind of relates to. What else? What else do you know about Moses? You were saying something. He parted the Red Sea, sticking his staff in that bad boy, huh? You imagine an ocean just whoosh. Again, the movie is just awesome because you see the the whale. <laughs> it looks like a wall, and then the dry ground right there, and they just are able to march through. But yeah, imagine that. That really, really happened. That wasn't a fable. God parted the Red Sea. Moses stuck his staff in there and it just stopped the water. Anybody else? Moses. Brian, what do you think? Moses, when you think of Moses. They didn't find his body, right? Uh, correct. Uh, there was a dispute, right? Michael the archangel kind of was, in the book of Jude it says, uh, when he disputed for the body of Moses. So uh, that's why many believe that he'll be one of the witnesses that comes back with Elijah um, in the tribulation period. That'll be the witnesses that lie dead in the streets and they throw a party and give gifts. So what were you going to say, Brian? When he was 40, he went ahead of God and tried to deliver the Israelites himself. Mm. In 40 years, he was kind of put on hold. So not till 80. Wow. So imagine God asking you to wait for something for 40 years. After you're 40 years old, you're like, no, I'm 40, I'm ready. Well, he tried to jump ahead of God's plan and take, be the lead. He was the leader, but he tried to do it in his own strength. And God said, mm, wait on me. So he let him go on the backside of a mountain and be a shepherd for 40 years to learn how to lead sheep before he could lose, lead God's sheep. And then his last 40 years? You want to throw that in since you... <laughs> All right. So he led God's people to the... Thanks. Awesome. All right, let's read through the chapter. Um, we're going to come back, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to spend a little time on. Um, there's some other things I'll comment briefly, but uh, let's go through it. It's um, 31 or so. Let me see how many. 30 verses. Yeah, so. We're in 31, Deuteronomy. 31. You know what? No, I'm going to, I'll take it. A bite at a time. So let's do verses one and two. We'll break that down and kind of just go through this. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. And so they said, happy birthday to you. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. But he's telling them today's my birthday. And he says, I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Um. So he's letting them know that here on his birthday, 
He's not going to be able to go into the promised land. Um, and it's, it's not that he doesn't have the strength. Moses, in a little while, is going to climb a mountain, the mountain that God tells him to climb to go and die on. And so he has strength. He has ability. But notice that last little section, because the Lord had told him, you shall not cross over <laughs> this Jordan. Now, God didn't tell him, you shall not be the leader to lead the nation into the land. He told him, you shall not cross over this Jordan. What's the difference between those two things? If God told him, you know what? Let's raise up Joshua. He's going to be the leader. He's going to take them in. God could have told him that, right? But God didn't tell him that. God told him, you shall not cross over this Jordan. What's the difference between those two messages? From God's perspective. What is God saying? Joshua is going to lead him and guide him for sure. So listen to the questions. What if God told him, I'm going to raise up a new leader, Joshua, and you're not going to be able to cross them over to the Jordan. That's not what God told him. God said, you shall not cross over this Jordan. What's the difference between those two messages? He's telling him, in particular him, that he won't be crossing, but... Everybody else will. Exactly. Okay, so notice the contrast between the messages. It's not so much that God is just saying, you're not going to take them in. Moses, you're not going in. It's, it's a big difference. If God would have just told him, hey, new leader, you know, make sure you, you pour into him because he's going to replace you. That's not what God's saying. He's telling him, Moses, you're not going in. That's a harsh, hardcore Message. Did you guys notice when I said, what do you know about Moses? 98% of what you said was absolutely positive. This guy was an incredible leader. Was he not? Yeah, man that you'd like to pattern your life after. Faithful, obedient. Got to, he had a relationship with God like nobody else. Isn't that neat just to be able to Talk with God face to face. Remember the afterglow story? God, I want to see you, God. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. Nobody can see my glory and live. But what I'll do for you, what I'll do for you is I'll let you see my after glory, my afterglow. I'll put you in the cleft of a rock. I'll cover your face with my hands. I'm going to pass by you. And once I've passed by you, I'll remove my hand and you'll see the afterglow of me. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that awesome? You'll see my afterglow. And so Moses was very, very faithful, very loyal. He was a leader. Like Brian said, he did try to jump ahead of God and try to take God's will in his own hands and do what God wanted him to do. I think we do that, don't we? We become God's spokesman. We either counsel God or... We're speaking on behalf of God sometimes to people. Can we be God's spokesman? Yeah. Are we absolutely God's spokesman? No. None of us hone the market on sinless perfection, right? And so, unfortunately, sometimes we don't know what people, want to, what people need to hear from God's perspective. Sometimes people need to be comforted, and we're ready to rebuke. Sometimes people need to be corrected, and we're ready to admonish. And so 
Only God knows exactly what they need at the time they need it. And so for us to be God's spokesman, we got to be in touch with God to be able to speak on behalf of God. But nonetheless, here is this Moses, and he is God's spokesman. He is the deliverer of the nation of Israel, bringing them out of Egypt, out of that slavery, and he shall not cross over. I have a note here. It says, God's correction of Moses was hard. Not only will he not lead Israel into the promised land, he will not even go there. That which he had dreamed of and felt called to as a child in the palaces of Egypt to deliver God's people will not be completed. Another will finish the job and Moses' feet will never touch the soil of the land that God had promised to the covenant descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why was it such a severe punishment? Um, somebody go ahead and turn with me or tur- turn in your Bibles to hold your place in Deuteronomy. But let's take a look at this. I wanted to read it. Numbers chapter 20. So it's a book backwards, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Numbers chapter 20. And somebody read me verses 7 through 12, please. Numbers 20, starting at verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Any more? Yeah, it was uh, 7 through 20. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, we must, uh, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock, the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Awesome. So I think we've gone over this. We, we, I think we're familiar with the section of Scripture, but just as a reminder, Moses was given specific instructions. Was the nation of Israel wrong to murmur and complain? Yeah. Absolutely, right? Yes. Who got the worst end of the deal here, the nation of Israel or Moses? Moses. Moses. Major, right? They got water. God graciously provided water for him. But he was disobedient. How disobedient were they? Crying, complaining, murmuring, talking bad about God, complaining about God, saying God did not provide for them. Pretty bad, right? Yeah. Here's the difference. The difference is when you represent God, be very, very careful what you say. He gave the impression that God was mad at his children. And though God may suffer long with us he's not mad at us he's patient he knows that we're frail he knows that we're dust he knows that we need sometimes to learn lessons long right it takes a lot of god reminding reassuring coming back he knows all that about us so god's not mad at us god picked us he knew what he picked he knew that we you know we complain and we murmur and we gripe but when you are God's spokesperson when you are speaking on behalf of God when you are giving the impression that God is mad at his people when he's not 
you bear the greater burden of responsibility to be disciplined and chastened by God to the degree that God wants to discipline and chasten you. All of us as Christians are going to be chastened. We're all going to be disciplined because we all need spankings. Bottom line, we all need to grow up. We all need that reminder that, oh, okay. But when we speak on behalf of God, we need to be very careful what we speak and how we speak it because God is not mad at his children. God is madly in love with his kids. He, he went to great lengths to secure. And so there's a lot going on here. Definitely Moses misrepresents God. But notice also what Moses does. You rebels, he calls them, shall we fetch water out of this rock for you? Really, Moses? You have the power? Moses, you and Aaron have the power to bring water out of a rock? Now you're taking credit for God's work. Whoa, that's blasphemy. That's pride. And this is from the meekest man on the earth. Moses said it's so all meek he was, but I'm just saying, side commentary. But in the Bible it says in the law, in one of the books he wrote, Moses was the meekest man on earth. That's good. Because God is providing for his children. So when water comes out of that rock, it shows God's grace. It shows his love for his kids. It shows his provision. It shows that he, he knows what our needs are. And even when we're not 100% right, God is still going to be gracious. He's just still going to be loving towards us. So this taking responsibility for something that he had no business taking responsibility is as well a big deal, okay? So Moses was told to speak to the rock. He doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes the rock as he did before and water came out, messing up the whole pattern of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, that Jesus is the rock that provided water for the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And so Jesus died. He was crucified on the cross once, punished once, tortured once. And so when Jesus, who is the rock in the wilderness providing water, is struck the second time twice, it ruins the picture that Jesus would hang on the cross and say, it is finished. The punishment, the penalty, the, the sin is taken care of. It's paid in full. It is finished. And so there's another thing that Moses is doing that has far-reaching implications when he strikes, strikes the rock twice. And that's something, again, that we need to understand when we tell people that you need to believe in Jesus and do this, that, or the other. No, 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 no. Salvation is secured by the, the finished work of the cross that Jesus did for us. And so we need to be careful as well when we're communicating with people, that's the finished work. Now, what should you do out of gratitude? Yes, walk in obedience, follow the Lord, follow what he's guiding you to. But as far as salvation, Jesus secured salvation on the cross. It is finished, paid in full. And when God tells him to speak to the rock, He's also showing a picture of how we communicate with God now. Romans chapter 10. 
What does it say? That word, that word of faith is near you, even in your mouth, that if you believe in your heart, that God, uh, believe in your heart, I better read it. Woo, I'll mess it up for you. Don't, don't mess it. Do you know it by heart? Romans 10. Let's see what we got here. It says, uh, let me start at verse... For Moses writes about the righteousness, verse 5, Romans 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. This was read in last week's chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 30. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when now Moses is striking that rock twice, the second time, it's not showing us that communication that we have with God by faith. All he had to do was speak to the rock and water would have came out graciously. Jesus was struck once. How do we approach God? Speak. Call upon him. Cry out to him. Let him know what your concerns are, what your needs are, what, what hurts you, what direction you need, what guidance you need, what struggles you have. All you have to do is speak and God will answer. God will hear you. He doesn't have to be struck over and over. We don't need to put him on the cross over and over. Did you know that's why Protestant churches don't have crucifix in their churches? Catholic churches have Jesus hanging on the cross. How come Protestant churches don't have him? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He's not on the cross anymore. And so that sacrifice on the cross, it's good. We thank Jesus that he died on the cross for us. But Jesus isn't on that cross. We speak to him. He's alive, which means we can speak to him. There's one Jesus. There's many false Jesuses. There's, yes, there's false Jesuses for sure. And I'm not saying Catholicism has a false Jesus. She said that. I didn't hear that. I'm trying to understand. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. There's real Jesus, Jesus of the Bible, and there's many, many others. Let me read you what Chuck Smith says about this passage. He says, The whole history of Israel, their deliverance out of Egypt and the coming to, to the Jordan to cross over into the Promised Land, is typical history of God's child today. In biblical typology, the Jordan River is represented of death. Not physical death, but death of the old nature where I reckon myself to be crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 Moses, who represented the law, could not bring the people across the Jordan. Joshua, interestingly enough, is the name of Jesus in Greek. Joshua was able to lead them into the land of promise, crossing over the Jordan, even as Jesus leads us into that full, full land of promise, the life in the Spirit. And so Jesus takes us into that abundant life, the spiritual life. As we continue to look to him by faith, that's what he's doing. It's not the law that's going to do that, it's a walk of faith by God's grace. So jump back to Deuteronomy, chapter 31. 
And let's pick it up at verse 3. God bless you. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said, and the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, uh, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And so the encouragement is Moses, Joshua is going to take them over. He's the one that's going to take them into the promised land. Joshua, of course, the type of Jesus. The law can't take us, but grace can. So it's not the law. It's Jesus by grace that can take us into the promised land. And so... Be strong and of good courage. There was something up here um, where he says the Lord fights for you. Um, what verse was that? Where did three go? The Lord God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. Guys, God fights our battles. And I think we do, it's like we mess it up when we like help him out. God, let me help you out. God's like, put your pea shooter away. I think I got this. And we're like shooting rubber bands and God's like, no, 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 you're gonna mess it up. And I think one of the reasons is we tend to put these fingerprints all over the work of God as if we're like doing the work. No, God's fighting our battles. So let God fight your battles. Pray, fight in the spiritual realm. Pray, ask God to break down strongholds and let him fight those battles. And you'll see God will give you the victory. Uh, Moses was 120 years old and had taken God's people as far as he could. Still, God moved forward with them and his presence gave them great courage and comfort. The same promise is as true as it was then. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Isn't that awesome? God will never leave us nor forsake us. Verse 7, then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, so Moses now calls Joshua and they're there. Be strong and of good courage for you must go with this people to the land which the, which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Uh, do not fear nor be dismayed. Verse nine. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, sons of Levi who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel, and Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacle, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. And so this is something in addition to what they had already promised they were going to do as far as reading the law and doing it. Now every seventh year, they will have a reading for everybody. Verse 12, gather the people together, men and women, and the little ones and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you crossed the Jordan to possess. So the importance of handing it down to the next generation, the importance of reading it before the children. Why? Children didn't grow up with it. So they need to hear it. They need to hear the law. They need to know what God had 
had for his children. Verse 12, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. Now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. So imagine now if you're Joshua, you're hearing all of this, you're in God's presence. God appears with you and Moses. You know how God spoke to Moses and so now he's speaking with you. I don't know how you would feel, but Moses is terrified. I mean, uh, Joshua is terrified. Verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers, and this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so, they, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods. Now, God is speaking out of a cloud in front of the tabernacle. Moses and Joshua are present. Is what God's saying go, is going to happen going to happen? Yeah, absolutely, right? God knows what he's talking about. So Joshua is hearing this, that basically the nation of Israel is going to abandon God, and God's judgment is going to come upon the nation of Israel. I don't know about you, but if I was hearing, all right, Johnny, um, there's a group of people that I'm going to have you be a minister to, and you're going to deliver them, you're going to take them into the promised land, but they're basically all going to turn their backs on God. I'd be like, check, please. Why would I even want to try? And yet, you know what's, what's even more mind-boggling to me as I study the scriptures? Joshua leads them in the nation of Israel, and they are devoted to God for that season that Joshua is over them. And yet Joshua is hearing that they're going to abandon God. But if you study... They don't abandon God until after Joshua. Isn't that crazy? Under his leadership, he is listening to God say one thing, and he's like, God has called me to do this. I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do. I'm going to lead his people whether they're going to rebel or not, whether they're going to be devoted 100% or not. That's incredible. Isn't that faith? And this would be one of the first generation, Caleb and Joshua, one of the two, that would even back then, he was walking by faith. And so you see the legacy of a man who walks by faith his whole life. He just takes God at his word and he walks in obedience. That's an incredible man. He's an incredible example to me. Verse 19, now therefore write down this song for yourselves and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against uh, the children of Israel, when I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness, for it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants. For I know the inclination of their behavior today even before I have brought them to the land of which I swore to give to them, 
Therefore, Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land, which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Why does God have Moses write a song, teach it to the nation of Israel, and then have them memorize it? I think sometimes because it's easier for us to remember things in a song. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Working out phrases. And Anybody remember that commercial? Yeah, I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long way. I haven't heard that song for 20 years. Why do we remember that? Those are uh, Schoolhouse Rock back in probably the 80s, 70s, 80s. 70s? Wow. So I was, I was a wee little lad. I was a zygote in the 70s. No, I was sorry, <laughs> 10 years old. Okay. So back when I was a little boy, I heard these songs on TV, and they would teach us things to remember, how a bill gets passed in the Congress by the president. He could veto it and all this stuff, right? I didn't know any of that, but that song taught us that. So Mo- Moses is called on. Moses is called on by God to be able to write a song so that they would memorize that song. And, know, and then that's the next chapter, chapter 32. We're not going to read that today, but that's um, where the song is. Verse 24, he sa- I mean 23, we read, that was the last one I read. He says, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Do you know how many times Joshua was told to be strong and of good courage? Seven times. Do you think Joshua was struggling with weakness and not being very courageous that God would have to tell him seven times to be strong and to be courageous? Yeah. I find it interesting that the last time it is quoted and identified with Joshua, it's in Joshua chapter 10, verse 25. It's coming out of Joshua's mouth and the lesson that he heard from God seven times, he's now dispensing that very same message and giving it to the people when they were fearful. And he's telling them, hey guys, hey, hey, be strong and of good courage for the Lord is with us. Isn't that neat? So it took him a little while to get it. It took him a little while, seven times for God to tell him. And God, isn't that awesome about God? Like I think of the numbers in the Bible, like eight. Anybody know what the number eight is? New beginnings. And so we think with God, sometimes it's like, you know, like Santa Claus, he's making a list and checking it twice. Yeah, we think, well, maybe God's checking the list twice. Darn, I messed up again. I'm out. No, God's not Santa Claus. Or sometimes we think, if you're playing baseball, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're, yeah. With God, is it strike three, you're out? No. God is so patient with us. He's so gentle to just endure and endure And seven times he tells this great leader, this man of faith, he's shown, right, his history of being a man of faith, seven times he would have to tell him, be strong, stop being afraid, is really what he's telling them. You're afraid, stop being afraid. Have courage, walk by faith. I'm gonna do the fight for you, I'm gonna battle for you. That's to all of us, I think we all need to hear that. I think the Bible says, fear not, 365 times. Can that be a coincidence? That cannot be a coincidence, can it? 
365 times. You're told to fear not. Do you think that's coincidence? I think one for every day. Hey, today, don't fear. Hey, 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 today, again, it's tomorrow. Don't, don't, don't fear. Yeah, fear not. Don't be afraid. 365 times. I think that's pretty neat. Verse 24. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark. We know the commandments would go inside of it, but beside the Ark would be the book of the law, of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you, for I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death gather, gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you. How did he know this? Because God had told him. And evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel of the words of this song until they were ended. And so I think, again, just to me, a big, big, gigantic takeaway is Joshua is hearing all of this and yet by faith he just says, God, I don't know what the future holds and when they're going to walk away, but I'm going to be a faithful leader. I'm not going to let it be them and my faithfulness dependent upon them. I'm going to be faithful with what you've called me to. I think that's powerful because he knew that they were going to rebel and yet he remained faithful. And to me, that's big. Isn't it? One with God is a majority. That's crazy. Questions, comments, concerns? Yeah, it's the next chapter. The whole thing. Like 80, yeah, stay tuned. Or you can read it. It's uh, 80 verses or something. It's 70 something verses. (laughs) It's a long song. Yeah, the whole thing is a song, except like the last five verses or something. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just this time, this gathering, Lord. And we just pray that, uh, Father, as we see examples like Moses and Joshua and these leaders that um, just rise up, Father, we see also that you are serious about what you say and that if, Lord, we are to represent you, if we are to talk to people, on your behalf or in your name, Lord, I pray that there would be a sobriety that we would recognize, uh, Lord, that uh, we represent you. And I pray that we would represent you well. And Lord, that when we communicate with people, whether it's a rebuke, an exhortation, a correction, uh, it would be uh, being led by you and that you would uh, just use us to be your spokespeople, Lord. And so help us, Lord. I pray that we would communicate your love for people and that in that love, Lord, there is uh, a repentance that you call people to. Um, But I pray that we wouldn't add or take away from your word, Lord. So thank you for that. Thank you for Joshua, just the example that in the midst of a nation that was rebellious, he was faithful. And so, Lord, you always have a remnant. You always have people that are separated to you, sold out to you and to your cause. So thank you, Father, for these examples. And we just pray that You help us in the things that we need to uh, just look to you for. In Jesus' name, amen.